0: And then what happened was that all these companies that were there one day lost all of their funding because there was a, there was a downturn mm-hmm. and uh, nobody was able to purchase from them. So the whole thing just went burst, right? So it's uh, like, I would say the companies that I work with nowadays as well, the ones that are most focused on profitability are the ones yep. that have the most likelihood of survival.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, I am here with another episode of E-Commerce Speaks with ROI Hunter. And today's guest is Andy Culligan, uh, fractional CMO for a number of companies. Andy, thank you so much for being here today with us. No worries, Sam. Good to be on, man. Uh, so what I what I wanted to talk to you about right away is this, this position of fractional CMO that I mentioned. Uh, can you tell me first off, what is a fractional CMO?
0: No, yeah. No. Well I appreciate so for, it. <laughs> no, so a fractional CMO is is uh is basically somebody that um has probably quite a few years of CMO experience um and helps out organizations at certain certain stages, certain stage organizations so normally you sort of scale up stage organizations mm-hmm. um to focus their marketing teams on the right things and they come in and work across a number of different or they work. Typically across a number of different companies, right? Mm-hmm. It's not quite the same as a part-time CMO. Right? A part-time CMO would normally be somebody that would work. Contract CMO is, is something that I've been approached with be, before okay. as well. Hey, do you want to come as a contract CMO? Contract CMO would be like, hey, you'd work full-time for a limited amount of time. So for three months or something, right? Just while they try to find somebody to bring in. Fractional CMO would be a fraction of your time is given towards numerous organizations at the same time. So I right now, for example, are working. I'm working in some form of capacity as a CMO in five different organizations. Mm-hmm. So leading the teams, make sure the teams are focused on the right things, putting targets in place, making sure those targets are being met, aligning with the sales org, et cetera, et cetera. But it's only a fraction of my time versus doing a full-time position.
1: Now, in, uh, in the past, you had held other senior level marketing positions would you say that being a fractional CMO is very similar? It's just doing it for a lot of different companies or is it like, is, is it a lot more work being a CMO for another company or is it just a lot more ways to fill your time when you're CMO for one company?
0: Yeah, it's, it's different, right? It's, um, I, I it's, it's hard. Like, uh, yes and no. Right. So sure. th- th- I've never actually been asked that question before. I haven't given it a huge amount of thought. Right. But, um, for me personally, I think it works really well for me. I'm just that type of personality that can be spinning a lot of different plates and a lot of different things all at the same time and different, getting different input from different channels all yeah. day, every day. Like the fun never stops. Like it's a lot of work, right? So oh, sure. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's a huge amount of work, but it, and some days are really crazy busy. Some other days are not as busy, but like it's, it's, it's full on. Right. Um, like I embrace that. I embrace the differences between different organizations and also taking some learnings over from one organization organization, putting it into another. Mm-hmm. Like to to go on to your question, like how's that sort of feasible? It's like, well, a lot of the stuff that I'd be implementing in one organization and stuff that I'm seeing there, I just car copy and paste and put it into somewhere else. Right. Yeah. It's also important to note as well that I do very little of the heavy lifting myself. Mm. Like there always needs to be a team on the ground. That's why I said at a certain stage organization, it makes sense. I, I typically get a, I get a lot of inbound coming from complete startups that would be like, Hey, we don't have any marketing resource. Can you come in and be our marketing resource? And I'm like, Well, I can bring in a marketing team, which I also have with another organization whereby Mm -hmm. it's me leading a team and we are essentially the external marketing team for that organization, but they don't want to pay for that, right? So, like, that's a, you know, you're not going to get, like, and between, like, the four of us on that specific team or five of us, actually, you're getting, like, over 100 years experience almost, right? So, like, it's... it's, (laughs) And, and with, with, with a number of different, like with so many different companies, right? So I think there's, there, we did the math on it before. There was like, between the five of us, we'd worked, at, sorry, it wasn't 100 years experience, it's 70 years experience with over 100 organizations and 100 marketing teams. Wow. So like, crazy amount of experience and across, I think it was 30 odd countries or something, right? So, so like, like a crazy amount of experience. Now, if you go out and hire a full-time team with all that experience, it's going to cost you a small fortune. Right. So like what we do is we go out or we can, we can come to you and basically have your marketing team overnight. Mm -hmm. But again, you're going, and it will be at a fraction of the cost of what it would be to hire that full-time team. It's not a full-time employee headcount. So So seeing as you're not an FTE, that's also interesting to companies because it's something where it's very risk-free for them. Like you can say to me between today and tomorrow, hey, look, we're not interested anymore. We need to cut costs, whatever. And we won't be, we won't have any heartache about it. And we're also, we're contractors. So it's not, it's not that there's any laws or whatever that need to be abided to employment law, whatever. Right. So, so that makes it very interesting for organizations. I think
1: it makes yeah a lot of sense, particularly for the C-level positions. If you're at a company that's not necessarily enormous where you would need full time for it, but you need somebody to give some structure and some direction to it, it would make a lot of sense to bring it in. It's it's actually something I've been seeing with other other leadership positions and organizations. You were, uh, you were the first person that I knew who took on a, a fractional CMO position. But I, I've now seen it with other C-level and and similar uh, senior positions where they have a fractional person who's working for a number of companies. Uh, do you, do you see this kind of thing as a growing trend or
0: a blip or? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I see. Um, so, like, I started. The, we can get into how I started the business in a, in a minute. Sure. But, um, but when I first started, it was like. like uh, the, the, Nobody was really doing the fractional CMBO thing, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like there was a handful of people that I'd sort of seen out and about, but it was now it wasn't really a thing. I think that's really after like a lot of people now that I know. I've seen so many people just quit their jobs throughout yeah. like Q4 of last year, and now they've come up with xyz.com, like first name, last name.com. You know, the same as same as what I did like two and a half years ago, which is which is yeah. shows me it's going in that direction, right? Um. Also, like there have been other positions that are that are also like the, the fractional positions. Like typically, and they, they're quite well known as fractional positions would be things like um, a CFO. Like yeah. fractional CFO is is one which is which is quite big. You've also got fractional chief product officer roles, CTO roles. Mm-hmm. Um, And then you've also got things like in the design world, you'd have things like creative director roles and stuff like that, that would be fractional as well. Right. So I think, I think, and and also in HR you'd have Mm -hmm. fractional HR leadership or people officers. Right. And so I think it's, it's, it's really growing. Why it's growing is because, um, well, first of all, companies have been trying to cut costs over the past couple of years, so they've been trying to remove some of that headcount that they've had, that have been that is as being expensive, right? Sure. And um, or and also at the same time, of funding drying up from private equity and and um, and venture capital means that companies don't have as much funding to be able to go and hire big guns, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that people that would be expecting a specific salary, you won't be able to get a specific salary by going and working for just one organization, right? So they share the burden and split So they go across and work across a couple of different companies. And basically what you get is you get somebody that has the experience. And I think more and more companies nowadays are starting to be like, well, experience outweighs this. Like we need to have them all the time and have them on all the time. Yeah. It's not necessary, right? Um, and uh, yeah, that that's that's essentially why it's working. It's a knock on effect of of funding being cut, which means as well that they're not able to hire as like heavier positions, right? But those people then come in and say, "Hey, look, I'll do it at a fraction of the cost, but you'll have the same amount of expertise." So, you know, let's Makes do it. it. It's it's. I don't think it, I don't think by the way, when you're in an organization it lasts forever either. I think there's like a an expiry point when you're in an organization. yeah, like it's not just it's it's not just you come in and then you are fractional Cmo or fractional c whatever forever. I think you bring it up to a certain point whereby now it's time for you to maybe bring in somebody full time That's gotcha. So you're helping them to to
1: set up the structure, get the wheels on and then they can really take off once that's all fixed up and they're ready budgeting budget wise and experience wise to bring on a C level like that
0: yeah so most companies will actually have like a, a team that's there right they'll have like teams that most the, company, the companies that I work with I only go and work with companies that have teams as i mentioned before right yeah yeah um, so like they, they'll have a team that's in place, so somewhat of a structure is already there, but it's normally a mess, and they don't know what weighs up typically, right? So I just come in and just say, okay, look, this is what we should be focused on. This is what the marketing plan should typically look like. I work with the existing team to do that, yep. get a line between the marketing and sales, of course, or like align ourselves to the um to the uh to the OKRs or or KPIs for the organization. Like, what what's the organization looking to achieve? How can marketing help achieve that? And I also sometimes as well take over the SDR teams if they have an SDR team or tele-sales team or internal sales, whatever you call mm-hmm. it. Um, so yeah, that's what you should say. That makes
1: sense to me because I, in my experience working with uh, B2B businesses or even speaking with people working in e-commerce companies, having that person who knows the direction and comes in and can just point you in the right way is something that is so important and often so lacking. So I think that's uh, a crucial part that you can play in as practical CMO for a number of different places. I I also wanted to talk about the fact that you are of all of my connections, personal life and professional, the most famous on LinkedIn of them. And I uh, I wanted to know. Well, first off, do you do you consider yourself a LinkedIn influencer, or am I behind the times
0: on the terminology? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. Um. <laughs> Yeah, like I guess so. Uh, yeah, so I, like I, 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 in comparison to some others, I, 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 like I don't have much of a, I don't have much of a following, but I had so all of my businesses come from LinkedIn. So all of yep. my like the entire business that I've run, like all of the all of the revenue that I've received up until this point in time has all come from LinkedIn, right? So it, must, I, I must be doing something right there, right? So uh, what and is typically it- like? Go ahead.
1: I was just going to ask: Is it something that you were setting up consciously as a way to to further your own brand, or you were? I see you shaking your head. What was? Yeah, what was your initial motivation for setting up your LinkedIn presence?
0: Um, well, it was for setting up my own personal brand. Like just mm-hmm. for me personally, like uh, um, I, I I see it as a beneficial thing to do just for my career generally. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't set it up in mind being like, hey, someday I'm going to be a fractional CMO and then I'm going to need this as a channel for growth. Um, I didn't, I like that would never, that never struck my mind. Actually, I became a fractional CMO sort of by accident. So it wasn't really something that I had planned for. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I just started doing it when I was a CMO at another organization, a full-time CMO at another organization. I'd, I'd sort of been doing it before that, but I really put a, an emphasis on doing it. Um, during that time, just because I thought it was fun and I was sort of enjoying it. And yeah, I like yeah, your post. Was... It's a
1: very, they have that good casual nature of, I think most start with yo or Hey. Yeah. yeah. Then just go straight to the point with it, which is good. Cause I, I like that. I like, it's like, it's speaking with me whereas I feel like a lot of LinkedIn posts that I see are yelling at me, which is, uh, which is much.
0: Yeah. I like to call bullshit on things, you know, yeah. like I just uh, like, I think people overcomplicate things just to make themselves sound important or clever. Mm-hmm. I, don't like to do that because I don't, I don't consider myself particularly clever. I just think that yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm just very resourceful and just um, like a, a common sense normally prevails when it comes to things. And I always like, I also, also have this thing for myself is like, if, if something, if you have a gut feeling that's a gut feeling that something's not working, you're probably yeah. right. So follow your gut. Right. And I follow my gut quite often and it's normally led me to good spots. So, yeah. You know i uh, I wanted to ask you uh, something that I've been asking a lot of our
1: guests is how you like to keep up with the industry, because you're you're involved with a lot of different companies, uh businesses, you've been involved with a lot of e-commerce companies in the past. When you're trying to learn something new, or you're putting together research for an ebook or a webinar or a video, where do you like to go to get your information?
0: So, um, it, so it depends, right? So if I'm, um, if I'm doing, let's, let's say for example, if I'm doing um, a webinar series, like with yep. an orga- with a organization that I'm working with now, we're doing a webinar series and we're trying to uh, come up with topics which are interested to B2B sellers. In order for me to do that, what I'll do is I'll go look at what other people are talking about on LinkedIn I'll mm-hmm. figure out like what people are like LinkedIn is a, is a good resource for that because yeah. you've got these sales influence, B2B sales influencers that they are talking about X, Y, Z and then you see which posts are resonating, which aren't typically like whatever simple wins in that space, like simple. Sure. And then you give actionable advice or feedback or whatever, right. To people, then they, it, that typically works well. Right. Um, other places where I'd go, look, what's happening in this industry. Like I, I I'm not one for reading too much around like, like, I don't know, Gartner or Forester or anything like that per se. Yeah. I would I I would a bit, but I'd I'd look at as places like like let's say, for example, in the e-commerce world, if you're if you're interested in learning a bit more about where you should make some technology investments, for example, or understand more about those companies or or vendors that are coming to you and asking you or um asking you to purchase from them. So like you're looking to buy, for example, a marketing automation platform. Yeah. Um. For e-commerce, I'd be going and looking at things like Capterra and G two to understand what people are saying, what their customers are saying about those specific platforms. Mm-hmm. Like that's right out of the that's right out of the, the the mouth of the customer. So I'd be going and look at that and see also where they're being placed against the competition. I will just give one caveat on that: in that there are some sure. monsters that are on there, like huge, huge organizations. Like for example, the Salesforce marketing clouds of this world oh, that yeah. are going to have thousands and thousands of reviews right or HubSpot spot or whatever they're going to have so many more reviews than the smaller smaller maybe mid-market players but you should go and have a look at those mid-market players because they're typically the scrappier ones that will be able to be more agile for you as an organization in e-commerce right yeah. so i've worked on the vendor side across numerous marketing automation platforms that serve into the e-commerce space i'm currently working with one at the moment i'll give them mm-hmm. a quick plug called extreme push uh, okay not ex so xtreme push yes. yeah um that offer a, a cdp with omnichannel capabilities but um they like it, they, what they from the level of service that they can offer their customer base is far superior is far superior to what some of the other like larger uh, cloud platforms could offer because their customers are so important to them that if they lose a Handful, then that's going to hurt the business massively, yep. right? So, so, and we experience the same, Sam. You and I working at other organizations, similar organizations, Absolutely. right? And I've worked at a couple of those types of organizations whereby if they're operating within that mid-market space and they're one of those scale-up companies rather than an enterprise monster of an organization, you can be pretty sure that the level of service is going to be far superior. And also, actually, the technology itself you should look into whatever companies you're looking at, see if those technologies were acquired technologies and then try to be plugged together rather than like uh, that. That's my least preferred. If you're talking to me, if I'm an e-commerce buyer, I'd be more preferred about something that's been built uh, rather than bought. Okay. So if you go built, not bought, you can be pretty sure that all of the tools and technology is going to talk to one another. So for example, if you're talking about a CDP, customer data platform that's also got execution, for example, email or push notifications, SMS, whatever, web, um, and all of that has been put, plugged together via 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 various acquisitions, then I think you're going to be, you, you can be pretty certain that it's going to be a bit clunky when it comes to yeah. everything talking to one another. And people right? that
1: were there developing it might not still be there because they didn't bring everyone in from the acquisitions. I, uh, exactly. Exactly. I like what you're saying about, yeah, the mid-market, smaller organizations, because like you said, they care more for their customers because they have not this huge number there. They want to take care of the ones they have. And uh, in terms of the technology, they're also the ones that that tend to be more willing to work with you to customize it for your purposes, whereas enterprise might have their own things set up or, like you said, an amalgam of all these different technologies and not be able to really be as flexible with it. 100%.
0: 100%. 100%.
1: Uh, Andy, l- last thing that I wanted to get into you with you is just if you, as someone who has worked with e-commerce companies, uh, businesses that work with businesses, and everything across the spectrum in a number of senior roles, uh, a lot of our listeners are e-commerce based. Uh, is there any advice that you would give to them?
0: Um yeah, I think, look, uh, everybody knows that the, at the minute, like uh, efficiency is, is really important. Um, we spoke about before about funding drying up, right? So mm. there's, there's less money floating around to just go grow at all costs. I think that's affected everything. Like we spoke before, this as well. Some things like interest rates, etc., also yeah. being uh, something that's been exploding. Also, I think we've seen we've seen like during COVID or just after COVID, we've seen this like massive rush of sugar into the e-commerce space, yeah. and it was like, oh my god, this is unbelievable. There's like ten Black Fridays in a week, so right? Much. So, yeah. But that's after dying off now, and it's after it's after dropping back down to where it was before. So like people got geared up. With massive influx of orders and being like this is awesome, it. But we need to sustain that now and then they've put themselves under pressure to be able to sustain the amount of incoming that was coming in. Yeah. For example, I know a, a very reputable brand. I'm not going to say which brand, but they make bikes, okay, kids bikes, okay. and uh, they they grew rapidly during COVID, like enormously, okay. And so much so that they were like, "We need to open up more manufacturing right because we cannot meet the demand right so um, they couldn't meet the demand, so what they did was they went out and opened up new factories and made sure that like they were able to uh able to be able to meet that demand. Well, hey guess what?" By opening up more factories, the the quality of what they were able to offer went down. And also the market demand went down at the same time because they ended up saturating the market. So now they have these factories that they had to close and they've had to let people go. And that's been a costly exercise for the business, clearly. And at the same time, their brand reputation has diminished as well because the quality of what they were offering decreased because they were so focused on growth rather than just maintaining and staying sustainable that it hurt them so like that's that's nice to say in hindsight now but advice to any e-commerce in the future if i was running an e-commerce i'd be like how do i grow this thing sustainably and profitably right so like that and that should always be the way that a business should be run by the way we've just gotten into this into this mindset of grow at all costs because it's mm-hmm. been fueled by VCs and private equity. There's just been so much money floating around just being like, go sell, 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 sell. We'll worry about the consequences afterwards, which is a really shitty way of doing business because yeah. it ends up in a crash at the end of it. That's what happened with the dot com burst back in the early 2000s, to- right? In that it, a- an external event, Right, happened uh, where people panicked and didn't buy, or there was a there was an external event where people were not giving any more equity, and then what happened was that all these companies that were there one day was, lost all of their funding because there was a, there was a downturn, mm-hmm. and uh, nobody was able to purchase from them, so the whole thing just went burst. Right, so it's uh, like I would say the companies that I work with nowadays, as well, the ones that are most focused on profitability are the ones yep. that have the most likelihood of survival that is right,
1: so honestly exactly what we've been seeing with our own clients and what our other guests have been talking about is it's it's a time to focus in on profit now. Uh growth is is great but only if it's sustainable because right now we don't have the uh the interest rates at the levels where people are going to be willing to fund your growth for uh forever as they were before.
0: Yeah. Uh, I look at your efficiency metrics, look at like your LTV to CAC, like understand what your LTV to CAC is. Like I see this even in volume SaaS businesses now as well. They're really, really focused on LTV to CAC Mm -hmm. to understand, okay, are we, are we managing to do a three to one ratio on LTV to CAC across all of our different channels? So you'd be looking at into individual teams and channels and different initiatives to see if you're hitting that three to one, three to one being, Hey, I'm operating efficiently, meaning for every dollar that I spend, I'm getting three back. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if, if you're if you're doing that across all of your different channels, if you have a five to one somewhere, you know that you can invest more money into that specific channel and you've got more efficient to be efficiency to be gained. Whereas on another channel, if you're doing a one-to-one, it'd be questioned like, why are you doing it? Is it and just a vanity metric? Adjustment. Like yeah. what's exactly, exactly. Yeah. So um that that's that's something that I'd be focused on. Yeah. Perfect.
1: I right. Well, and Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh to give you a quick Plug at the end there. I know you have uh, your own podcast as well. Uh, this is the captain speaking. So if anyone else is looking for another great podcast, uh, anything you wanted to say on that one?
0: Yeah, I run that for a company called Marmind and uh, it's called, this is your captain speaking. We've got interesting guests on from all walks of life and marketing. We just shoot the shit basically about marketing uh, for 20 minutes or whatever. Similar to this It was a bit of fun. So yeah, you can find that on Spotify um, and you can find me on AndyCulligan.com. If you have any questions, just come to my website um, or on LinkedIn. So you can find Perfect. Me on Andy Culligan on LinkedIn. Andy, thank you so much for joining us, and I'll, I'll chat with you soon. Thanks, Sam.